Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome everybody to another episode of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host here with Pastor Nick Plummer. And we are studying the Torah portion, Teruma. Now, Teruma means portion or offering, and it can be found in the book of Exodus or Shemot, uh, chapter 25, verse 1 through chapter 27, verse 19. We've got a lot of exciting things going on, but not the least of which is last week you guys may have heard us uh, giving some shout outs to some countries around the world that have been listening uh, but then, you know, we're digging a little deeper, and, and just in the past seven days, there's a few cities that popped up on the list here that I was I was impressed with. And uh, number one city in the world over the last seven days is Croydon, Australia. So if you're in Australia, uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Also, Dallas, Texas, Alexander City, Alabama, uh, Centurion, South Africa, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, wow, Tel Aviv, Israel, Barcelona, Spain. We are just so excited to have you guys uh, listening. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us or you want to talk to us, you can email me personally at ryan at topraise.net. And so we're going to get on with the tour portion, uh, the meat and potatoes. We got a lot to cover here today because there's a lot of cool details uh, in this tour portion. Yeah, he's going to, uh, of course, bring them out to bring them in. Remember that. Uh, the word church, the ecclesia, means called out. So when you become born again and you give your life to the Lord, make him Lord of your life, uh, every part, which is really the challenge, uh, it's interesting that he did not do that for your own personal enjoyment and for your own itinerary to follow your own life plan. But he has a plan for you in his kingdom uh, as his children. So we're going to be looking at the Teruma offerings, Exodus chapter 25, 1 through chapter 27 and verse 19. And I've got some very interesting insight I'd like to share uh, in regards to this as well that I think would help some of you that have been in the Torah for some time, or even if you're just new, we want to make the Torah relevant for you. So question number one, what did the Lord want the people to bring him? Exodus chapter 25, verse 2. Uh, an offering. So he wanted them to bring an offering. Now, uh, once again, our Father in Heaven is not a dictator. Uh, uh, you know, he's not. He's not a, a tyrant. Uh, question number two: Did the Lord want it from a willing heart? Yes. This is not a tax. This is an offering from the people. He wanted it from a willing heart. Uh, Exodus twenty-five two. You know, uh, definitely a willing heart. What's interesting is I, I love how you can find cross references. Uh, in the Bible, even going into the New Testament, uh, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, showing you how relevant this is even for today. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Uh, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Literally in the Greek, it means a hilarious giver, that you are giving with joy and with laughter, and that you're, you are just a hilarious giver. You're not even thinking about it twice. So, so I find that very interesting. And so here are some of the um, uh, things that consisted uh, in the offering. We can find this in Exodus chapter 25, verses 3 through 7. Uh, question number three, we're going to have, of course, gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, 
goat's hair, ram's skins dyed red, badger's skins, sheatim wood, oil, spices, onyx stones, and then, of course, stones. So once again, an offering, a willing heart, and here are the items. Why? Because we're going to build something for the Lord. Question number four, uh, what did the Lord want his people to make him? They wanted him to make us, or they, he wanted them to make a sanctuary that he could dwell among them. And that was why, uh, that he may dwell among them. Uh, Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 and 9. Once again, this word sanctuary is the Hebrew word mikdash. It means a consecrated thing or place, especially a palace, sanctuary, or asylum, or asylum. So this is very interesting because here at Beit Tehillah in our community, our sanctuary is holy. We don't eat or drink in there and have coffee and, and, and have, you know, like bingo or, or kids rollerblading in there. You know, it, it's, it's a sanctuary. It's a holy place. It's a place to go to, to meditate, to pray. And so we think that that's very important to set that building aside for that particular purpose. So. Uh, once again, uh, we're going to have this uh, giving of an offering, a willing heart. We have all these items. Now we're going to build a sanctuary. And this is where it gets very interesting. Question number five, what was the first piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build? Uh, it would have been the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony. Exodus 25, 10. Once again, it looks like they're going to build this particular tabernacle and do the furniture from the inside out. Isn't that interesting? So the Ark of the Covenant, it was, of course, overlaid with pure gold. And uh, once the stays were put in, they could not be taken out. And uh, question number eight in Exodus 25, 16. Uh, what did the Lord want his people to put into the Ark? Uh, well, he said, the testimony which I shall give thee. So I thought that was interesting because I was wondering, has he not given it to him yet, right? There and you so, go. We have, of course, the testimony. And what kind of seat was to sit upon the ark? Question number nine in Exodus 25, 21. And here's what it says. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark shalt thou put the testimony that I shall give thee. Wow, that is awesome. The mercy seat. You know, his mercies are new every day, everybody. You might be listening to this podcast and thinking, you know, does, does, does our Heavenly Father, you know, is he even there for me? You know, is he, is he busy with somebody else or something else? Listen, he loves you. He knows when a sparrow falls. He knows the hairs on your head. And, and just me personally, I'm actually going through an interesting time with our Heavenly Father is to learning more about my Heavenly Father, crying out to him, Abba Father. Uh, we do pray to the Father. Uh, in Yeshua's name, just like we're told to. But but let, once again, I think the Father's kind of left out of the picture, but he is definitely uh, someone that we need in our life. We need a we need a father. Some of you didn't have a good father and a good upbringing, but but once again, we have a, a seat here on this ark called the mercy seat. You know, what's interesting about the name mercy seat is that, you know, in the next verse here that we're going to read, it's talking about how God is going to meet with us there. And if you think about that, it is only in God's infinite mercy that he has a relationship with us, because we really blew it. Uh, and not only did we blow it, you know, with Adam and Eve in the garden, we blew it over and over and over and over again. And, and you know, the Bible is God's redemptive story about how he's trying uh, to help us get back to him and the work of Yeshua, all that. But it, it is the mercy seat, right? Is this this symbol that God is merciful. He is meeting with us 
in his great mercy and his loving kindness, the fact that he's there uh, and his presence is dwelling among us is because he's so merciful. And I think that's just an awesome thing because I've always wondered why is it called the mercy seat? I mean, it just takes a little bit of thought, you know? It's interesting because uh, with this mercy seat, we go into Exodus 25, 22. And, and if Ryan, if you could read that uh, in regards to this beautiful uh, ark. I can, I can. It's uh, verse 22. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Now, this is interesting. Here we have the two cherubims that are across from each other, wings touching, and they, of course, are making up this mercy seat on top of it. Now, you'll see cherubims contained uh, even within the curtains, a veil, and the covering of the ark. Now, it's interesting because cherubims, they're, they're a type of angel. And if, if we go back to the law of first mention, we can find cherubims uh, in regards to Adam and Eve, uh, when they had to leave Eden, you know, it's interesting. There's this little, um, this joke I heard, you know, what did Adam and Eve do when they, when they left the garden of Eden, they raised a little cane. <laughs> they raised a little cane in Genesis three twenty four. Here we have the cherubims. Uh, it says, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now notice these cherubims have a flaming sword to keep people away from the tree of life. And we know that tree of life is Yeshua. Amen. And you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which people are eating from every day. If you want to know what the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, it's that you decide what is evil and what is good. But we know that the, our Father in heaven has already established that in his word by his spirit. But there are no swords on these cherubims within this particular ark. So once again, this is, this is a supernatural, spiritual realm thing. It's very interesting. So we have this ark. And now we're going to go into the next piece of furniture, Ryan. Uh, what instructions were given for the next piece of furniture? Question number 11, Exodus 25, 23. Share with us this next piece of uh, furniture. It says, make a table of shiatim wood, uh, wow. which is going to be uh, the table of showbread. And it's going to be overlaid with pure gold. Uh, there were going to be staves in it to carry it. And, of course, the, uh, the dishes, the spoons, and the covers, and the bowls, they were overlaid with what? Uh, also with pure gold. Exodus twenty five twenty nine. Actually, all of the furniture within the Kodesh Kodeshim, or the Holy of Holies, is all overlaid or made completely of pure gold. So I want you to get this picture. So here we have the Ark of the Covenant. And by the way, this is actually a picture of even a throne. We can boldly come to the throne of grace. Uh, we know that the veil was torn from top to bottom. So we have th these instructions for the Ark, which is a, actually a picture, I believe, of a, of a throne. And he's looking down into this inner court. And, of course, we have the table of showbread. And, and uh, that's what was actually to be set upon it at all times. Uh, Exodus 25:30. What I love about the... Uh, tabernacle furniture, even the temple furniture, is the fact that you can find stories in the Bible in regard to it. Uh, we know there's an example of David eating the showbread of, of, off this table uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, and you can read that for yourself later. Once again, David was in a crisis. He, there was no food. The priest actually allowed them to have the table of showbread. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, once again, it's the table of showbread. And, and Ryan, this is where it gets very interesting because, 
you know, we, we're seeing this furniture being laid out. So we have this Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, and, and, and the showbread is switched out every, every Shabbat, every week. And there's 12 loaves that are put on this table. I know that's not on my questionnaire. I just thought about that. Probably need to do that. But 12 loaves, which represents the 12 tribes. And it's a table, and it's got a double rim on it. Double edges, you know, where you cannot fall off this table, Ryan. And it's very interesting. And we'll we'll put all this together as we get to more of the furniture. And so, uh, once again, we uh, with what was the menorah made in Exodus 25, 31? Uh, it was made with pure gold. So here we have the menorah, which, the candelabrum. Uh, which being made, made of 100% pure gold, I mean, that's, that's a feat. Uh, Pastor Russell last night was making the point. Uh, that you know, pure gold. When you when you take all of the other alloys and metals out of gold, uh, it's a, a weaker metal. It's more malleable. You can you can put it in your mouth. You can kind of bite down on it and, and put a dent in it, um, and, and move it with your hands, so on and so forth. So to make something of solid gold like the menorah um, at room temperature, it is going to be something that would slouch or eventually you know lay down. And so it was literally the spirit of God that is holding the menorah up and together. And as we know, the menorah represents the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. So how many lamps were on the menorah? Seven. Seven lamps. And I don't have time to point out all of this stuff, but I want to make it relevant for you today as we conclude with this menorah part. But but the shamash is the servant candle, and then three on each side. So there's seven. Seven means completion. And so we can see that. And this, of course, piece of furniture is in the inner court. Uh, and what, I do yeah, have I mean, one that's, other that's thing. Incredible. There is one other thing about the menorah that is pretty cool. There are it's made of pieces, right? <clears throat> so you have each each branch uh, on the left, and then the, each branch on the right. There are three and three are made up of nine pieces, uh, and then the middle one is made up of twelve pieces. That's <clears throat> uh, just how it's constructed. The instructions to construct it, and at uh, if you look at it, it's a picture of of our Bible, the Scripture, because on the right hand side you have twenty seven plus the middle which would be 39 books of the Old Testament. And then how many books are there in the New Testament? 27. And so on the other side, you have 27 books. And so it's it's interesting how you can look at things like that and you can see that God doesn't do things by accident, that these things confirm what we already know, that we have a complete scripture here in our Holy Bible. There are 66 books, and the menorah being a representation of that. You know, I, I just got this thought. I think we're going to have to do a podcast on where are you in the tabernacle? Because just time doesn't permit me to really go into this in detail. But, but once again, we, we have to just look at the, the scriptures literally here. Uh, what two utensils were used to service the menorah? Uh, it's going to be tongs and snuff dishes. That's right. Sensors. Both of pure gold. Tongs and sensors. Um, what were they made of? Pure gold. Once again, pure gold. Now, the menorah was made from a talent of gold, and it was one piece. Exodus chapter 25 uh, verses 36 and 39, and uh, once again, we have the menorah. You know, as we begin to develop this story of the Torah portions and put it all together, we need to understand that there, there's an interesting thing happening here, you know, especially when it comes to the times we're living in today. We have the menorah, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, and this is the inner court. And, of course, we have this table of showbread that's, that's, that's opposite, you know, of the menorah there in the inner court. And the menorah gives it the light and everything. And we can see the Pentecostal movement, Azusa Street. We can see all of this happening at the menorah. And we want to have a right spirit, Ryan. And, and, and the challenge we're going to have in the inner court is the Father sits on the throne, the ark, 
And he looks at this inner court, and he sees all this activity going on within this Hebrews, the Christian faith movement in the inner court, because the outer court has, of course, the altar and the laver. And once again, it's exposed. You know, it's about being born again, salvation, and the washing of the water of the word, the laver. That as you look into the Bible, you should see a reflection of yourself in there and and acting that way. But once again, when you pull back this curtain and you go back behind this curtain, which there's five pillars, and, and of course, five is very interesting. And you go into this inner court, you, you run into the menorah and, of course, the table of showbread. I believe, Ryan, prophetically, we are at the table of showbread. And this table of showbread, I believe, is going to prepare us even for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because if you have a right spirit from the menorah and you come to the table, which represents the commonwealth of Israel and the Shabbat, we'll know how to go to the altar of incense. You know, so many times we say, well, I just want to be in the Holy of Holies. I just want to be in the Holy of Holies. I just want to be where the ark is. Well, let me tell you something. Yeshua gave us that access. We boldly come to the throne of grace. We come to his throne, but he's looking down. I had this revelation, this vision of the father looking down in this inner court and all the activity that's going on. And the biggest challenge is at the menorah. Do we have a right spirit? Because people that don't have a right spirit, right, aren't going to sit at you at a table and eat with you. Mm-hmm. They just can't look at you. They don't want to eat with you. That's right. You know, and and so this is the place where we're really at. And we're living in a culture of drive-throughs and, and eating out and everything. But are we really coming to the table? And if we can get the people to the table with the right spirit, Ryan, then we'll know how to pray in the altar of incense. Oh, and by the way, these pieces of furniture, they, of course, they, they are, they are in heaven. And so question number 20 is, was Moses commanded to make the articles of the tabernacle according to the pattern shown to him by God? Exodus 25, 40. Yes. So see, Ryan, there's a pattern. And so we know that the father, and we could talk about this in the next podcast, a special podcast, but God's not trying to restore and build up the Mosaic tabernacle again. It says he will restore and raise up the fallen booth of David. Mm. And and with that comes the ark and access to God and to his throne with the priests and everything else. And, and that's a whole nother story. But you can even you can find this even in the scriptures about this prophecy. It, it entails the Gentiles or the non-Jews coming back. So for the sake of time, we're going to move on here. But once again, we do have a pattern that we want to follow. Once again, six pieces of furniture in the tabernacle represents man. And we can see this being played out. Now, how many curtains were made for the tabernacle? Ten. Hey, ten. ten. Ten is a minion. Exodus 26.1. And of course, we have three colors used to make up the curtains. We have blue, purple, and scarlet. So blue is representative of the, of the heavenly or the Holy Spirit. Uh, purple would be royalty or kingship. And scarlet would be the blood atonement. Scarlet would be blood atonement. So here are the three colors in regards to the curtains, blue, purple, and scarlet. Now, how many loops were made for each curtain? So each curtain would have 50 loops. So you got 50 loops. And 50, of course, means jubilee. But here, here you have these loops. And then, of course, you're going to have uh, curtains of, of goats here were used as a covering upon the tabernacle. There was 11 of those. Exodus 26, 7. You know, I have, this, this brings just something to mind. I don't, I don't know if this Partitions. Is, is for somebody or what. But, you know, if God said to put 50 loops on the curtains... Would you put 
48 or 52 you go you go with it here's right? what, here it is i mean it's 50 it, it's simple obedience right just put it's, 50 it's 50 it's 50, 50. and of course we have goat skins now or goat's hair uh what two other animal skins were used as a covering for the tabernacle rind it's gonna what be two other animal skins near and dear to my heart ram's skin dyed red uh and badger skin so you've got goat's hair ram skins dyed red and badger skin so here you have uh animal skins being used for curtains. Uh, what kind of wood was used for the tabernacle in Exodus twenty six fifteen? This is going to be sheatim wood. Sheatim wood. Mm-hmm. Sheatim wood. And how many boards were used in the tabernacle? You've got 20 to the south, 20 to the north, 6 to the west, and 2 at the corners, making a total of 48. Wow. 48 boards were used in the tabernacle. And with what were the boards overlaid with in Exodus twenty six twenty nine? Gold. Question number twenty eight. Gold. With gold. Yep. What's what's gold? It's divine nature. Mm. Divine <laughs> nature. Exodus twenty six thirty. Once again, here's the pattern. That's what you want to find in the Bible: patterns and principles. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It says in Exodus twenty six thirty. What Ryan? Uh, it says, and thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee in the mount. And that's Exodus 2630. Wow. A fashion, according to the fashion thereof. And of course, how was the veil made? Uh, that's going to be the next verse. And it says, and thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made. Oh, the veil. Now, now, were there cherubim woven in the veil? Yes. Cherubim woven in the veil. Once again, we have cherubim in the veil. That's incredible because we have two cherubim uh, on the ark. You know, here we have something supernatural. I mean, that's incredible uh, in regard to the angels. And what was going to be behind the veil in the most holy place? Exodus 26, 33. This is going to be the ark of the testimony. Now here's something interesting. Why? Why does where we have some of the times it's called the covenant, and sometimes it's called the testimony. Uh, I think that we obviously know that what this is is it's the physical Ten Commandments written by the finger of God, right? Made out of stone, um, but it's called the covenant because the the wording on it is the covenant between God and the children of Israel. But then it's also called the testimony because this is actual stone tablets, a physical thing that by an invisible God is written with the finger of God, a testimony of his existence. Yeah, I want to just clarify something. Uh, Let's see here. I do believe, how many many pillars were there before the holy place? Uh, I put here five. It says five. Yeah. Okay, so five. That, that's kind of interesting, because I thought there was five pillars before you go into the inner court. So let's go can back. Can we confirm that? I can, I can. I can take you back I'm over here. I'm trying to think of a picture oh, we're about or to, a place. About to Midrash now, guys. I'm just wondering if, if, if it's not then five and then four, but this is kind of interesting to, to, to think about. I don't have a picture right now yep, I can of that. Yep, I can you... But I know the five is actually uh, 2637, Exodus 2637. Thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of Sheatim wood, and overlay them with gold, and their hooks shall be of gold, and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. So we, we've discovered here, I mean, I'm telling all of you this, I've been studying this tabernacle for 20 years, and it is exciting. So we have the Ark of the Covenant, the instructions for that first, a table of showbread, a menorah, 
And now what's the next uh, instructions to build? Curtains, boards, and whatnot. And so now now we've gotten to the brazen altar, and the materials used for the altar and the staves is shiatim wood. Um, the altar of burnt offering, Exodus 27.1. And the altar uh, itself is what was overlaid with brass in uh, Exodus 27.2. And if you take the dimensions of a cubit, you take the top of your finger down to your elbow, that's actually considered a cubit. Some cubits would be smaller or larger, but, but that's how you pretty much come up with a cubit. And so once again, it says here on all four sides, five cubits. Uh, as far as uh, three cubits deep. So if you think about this, on all four sides... It'll be like uh, seven feet, five inches, and then deep would be four feet, five inches. So that's kind of an interesting dimension there. Really, the altar wasn't as big as you think. Uh, of course, you, you just said it. Uh, it was made of shiatim wood, and uh, it was overlaid with uh, what metal? With brass. Overlaid with brass. And what was to be made for the four corners of the altar of burnt offering. So this is a, a large altar, as you just heard. And so at each of the corners are horns. Um, and these horns, you know, there's many mentions of these horns uh, throughout Scripture at different right. occasions, people grabbing on to them, people, you know, the animals and whatnot being tied to them. Yeah, if you want um, to look at an example of Joab in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 5 and verses 28 through 34, Joab grabbed the horns of the altar, thinking that he could be free in, in, his, in his own uh, lack of innocence because he was not innocent. Uh, but in Exodus twenty one fourteen, it, it talks about uh, not allowing anyone who's guilty to hang on to the altars. There must be a judgment. So Joah was of course judged and uh, taken from the altar, and of course he was uh, put to death. Uh, so once again, you cannot grab the horns of the altar if you are guilty. Uh, only if you're not guilty. So that's that's an interesting story. Once again, the, the horns were overlaid with brass and. Uh, as far as the utensils for this particular item, we have uh, pans, shovels, basins, flesh hooks, and fire pans. Uh, these uh, utensils were all made of brass, and uh, so was the uh, the grate for the altar uh, burnt offering. It was made of brass. Uh, just a little thought here. Uh, the fire on the altar is never to go out, Ryan. There's always supposed to be fire on the altar. So when we think about when we become born again and we give our life to the Lord, like in March of 92, it was late at night. It was in the evening that I gave my life to the Lord. And I thank God that the fire on the altar was there for me. Some people get saved, born again, two, three in the morning or, or early in the morning, late in the evening. So I find that very interesting that we are to keep the fire of the altar uh, burning continually. Same thing with the menorah. You know, uh, they would service the menorah every evening, every morning, and making sure that it would stay lit, because that was the only light that they would have in that inner court. And we have to think about this as well: that that the, the only light that we can possibly have in the darkness of days that we're living in is the light of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Even though we have our senses, you know, we're being lied to, and there's fake news, and there's all these things that are going on, and and, and pictures are, you know, doctored up and photoshopped and, and different things. We don't even know what reality is anymore, but the Holy Spirit will give us reality. And so if you want to finish out uh, the last two questions of 42 and 43, Ryan, in regard to the Torah portion, that'll be great. Yep, here we come to a close uh, in Exodus chapter 27, Verse 10, uh, it says, What were the pillars made of? And the pillars were made of brass, 
and then how many pillars were used in the tabernacle. And so this is going to be the ta- uh, the surrounding pillars, and that's the, the answer to that is 69. And you can find the different pillars and the descriptions of them in Exodus chapter 26, verse 32, and verse 37, and then in Exodus 27, uh, verses 10 through 12, and then again in 14 through 16. And so, you know, uh, it's funny, I was listening to the Aleph Beta uh, podcast regarding this Torah portion a few days ago, and they mentioned that at this tour portion, they have a good you know group of people listening or watching their videos. If you're familiar with Olive Beta, they do on some really good uh, teachings on the tour portions and different you know sections of scripture uh, from a Jewish perspective. And uh, they were mentioning that, that their audience, their listeners, they kind of or their watchers, their viewers die off right at this tour portion. That all of a sudden, you know, everything's going well. They're everybody listening to Genesis, everybody's listening to Exodus, and then boom, we get to Teruma. And all of a sudden, there's an offering and the specifics of how to build the tabernacle, and and you know people die off. And so, here's what I would like to do. I'd like to encourage you to press in. Um, God has something for you in these Torah portions. The Torah portions are prophetic, and if you focus on uh, on them and you you read them, God's going to speak to you through the Torah portions because they are absolutely unequivocally, without a doubt, relevant for today. And so, uh, always remember that that you can find Yeshua in the Torah portions as well. He is here. We're, we're describing the path to salvation while at the same time describing uh, the tabernacle. And so don't forget that. And so uh, as usual, we are so thankful that you guys are listening from all over the world. It's very cool uh, for us to be here uh, in beautiful Brandon, Florida, and uh, have a connection with you guys wherever you are. Uh, if you want to communicate with us, you can email me. I got a new email address, ryan at topraise.net, so you can contact me directly and I can respond to you. We want your feedback. We want to hear from you. Uh, what do you think about the podcast? What would you like us to, to touch on? Do you have any questions or anything like that? We would love to hear from you. That email will get to me and Pastor Nick. Um, so that we can respond, but I'll be uh, facilitating that. So please reach out to us. Uh, And then also you can call the office and speak to us here at the office at 813-654-2222. And you can also get our website, uh, live stream any of our services, uh, contact us for resources at our website at topraise.net. God bless you guys. Have a great week.